Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Welcome this morning. Hey, great to see everybody at Faith Assembly today. Take your Bibles out, turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, it may or may not be on your screen, but I want to I take you to another passage first before we get to our text today and give you a little backdrop of the story this morning. Uh, we just finished our series entitled Margins. It's about creating room in your life for God, making space for that which is the very most important. And if we're not intentional about doing that, if we're not intentional about the spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study and community and service and ministry, we're not going to grow. You will remain flat, you will remain stagnant, your Christian life will be very uneventful, and and God can't really use you, but when you open yourself up to be used by God, he uses you in incredible ways. Now, this is going to lead beautifully into our next series entitled Full. You saw the trailer right there, and we're talking about the fullness of life in the Holy Spirit. There is a life in the Spirit of God that is abundant. That is overflowing, that's exciting, that is full, that is meaningful. So we're talking about that life in the Holy Spirit of God. Now let me tell you a little story, and it's from Acts 19, verses 1 and 2. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So he finds some people who are already Christ followers, who love the Lord. He runs across them, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, so these are believers, these are Christ followers, they're called disciples. They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I think we've seen that a lot in the church today, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. I think in the church we're very familiar with God the Father, We talk about the love of the Father and the goodness of God, and we sang about that love this morning, and we we know the Father very well. We know the creator of the heavens and the earth. We know all about him. We know about the Son. We know about the second person of the Trinity because he came and he gave his life for us, and he died on the cross, and he paid the way for our salvation. And so we're very familiar with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we understand his death and resurrection, that he's fully God, and we know about him. But I think often the neglected member of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. We, we, we just have kind of, he's gotten a bad rap. We haven't talked much about him. We haven't said much about him. There's many in the church that even realize what role and what part he even plays in our life. We maybe know about him as a third person of the Trinity, but what does he have to do with me right now? How does he impact my life? And he's kind of gotten a bad rap. And sometimes the, the difficulty is we base our theology on experience, not scripture. And so we've got to go back to the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God have to say about this third person on the Trinity? Maybe, you, maybe you've seen some crazy stuff on television, or maybe you grew up in a Pentecostal church and you saw maybe some strange, weird things going on, or things you didn't understand, or things you could not comprehend, and instead of bracing the Holy, embracing the Holy Spirit, we've run from him. And we're afraid of him, and we stay away from him, and we'll talk about everything else but the Holy Spirit. One of the most important things concerning our walk with Christ is our relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. And so for these next four weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, his impact on our life, uh, how we can be full through him. 
how we can experience the life that he came to give us all through that third person of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit is the one who encourages. The Holy Spirit is the one who strengthens us. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us power. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is our counselor. He is our helper. He is all those things. The Holy Spirit can bring comfort and strength in our times of adversity. The Holy Spirit, third member of the Trinity, and we're going to look at him and focus on him. John 10.10 says, The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The full. He came to experience fullness of life. And there's a promise of the Holy Spirit that he has for every member of the body of Christ. So we're going to explain who the Holy Spirit is, how he can impact our lives, and how we can live life to the very fullest. Full. Now, this morning, we're going to kind of introduce who the Holy Spirit is, that third person of the Trinity. We're going to talk about who he is and look at him. So take your Bibles out. Let's stand together. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going to read several verses of Scripture as Jesus Christ is talking to his disciples. He's talking about sending the Holy Spirit back to be our comforter and our counselor, and we're going to look at exactly who he is This morning, John 14 and verse number one, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will take you to be with me that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to the place where I am going. So now, he's already dropped the bombshell. I'm about to be crucified I'm going to be taken away. I'm going to send up into heaven. I'm, I'm going away. You're going to see me no more, but it's important because if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, you can imagine they've been with him. They've followed him. They love him with all their hearts. He is their master, their, their rabbi. Their, they follow him, their Lord, their Savior, and all those things, and now he's going to be gone. Okay, jump down to verse 15. Let's pick it up there. It says there, if you... Uh, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now he says, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send you back someone, the Holy Spirit. He will be with you and he will be in you. Jump down to verse 25. All this I spoken while I was still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not, uh, I do not give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We Thank you for your sweet presence and spirit in the house today. I pray, God, as I preach your word, you'll open up our understanding, our minds, our hearts to receive what you have for us. We love you so much. We thank you, God, for your great love for us. Open up the word of God, we pray. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look awesome today, and then you may be seated. And when we think about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, 
The Holy Spirit was not sent to scare you or frighten you or freak you out in any way. That's not why he came back. But he came back to be your advocate. He says, I'm sending back a counselor. I'm sending back a comforter. I'm sending back someone who will help you and guide you and lead you every step of the way. He said, it says in the King James, and you have an advocate. I'm sending an advocate to you. An advocate is someone who pleads your case who goes on your behalf to the Father, who, who stands for you, who backs you up, who is, supports you in every way possible. And so what I want you to do is when you come these next four weeks, come with a clean slate and an open mind and say, God, I am open to whatever you want to teach me from your word. I want to receive and I want to grow and I want to know more about your spirit. I want to tell you, if you're going to lock into any series we have at Faith Assembly of God, lock into this series. Commit with me. I am going to be here these next four weeks because I want to know all you have to know and teach me about this person of the Holy Spirit so that I can live my life to the full. Now, a couple of things I want to share with you this morning. I'm going to kind of teach and preach a little bit, so stay with me here this morning. Uh, First of all, he is the third member of the Trinity, the triune Godhead. Now, when we talk about God, God is expressed in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are three distinct persons who make up the one true God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things you'll find in, as you study the Word of God is you'll never see the word Trinity in Scripture. Use that word per se. The word Trinity is a theological word that describes who God is. And so we talk about three in one, or the Trinity, or God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, in Philippians 1, he calls God our Father, and so we know the Father is God, and we refer to him as God, and we think of him as the primary mover, shaker, creator, God the Father. And then Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 talks about Jesus being fully God. And so we know that Jesus Christ is God. He carries the title the Son of God. He is fully God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is fully divine. He is fully God. Okay? And then in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, he describes the Holy Spirit as God. God the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. And he is also fully God. So when we talk about the Trinity, it's not three individual gods, but together they make up the one true God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts 28 when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, what does he do? He says, when you make disciples, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the the Trinity, the triune Godhead is seen right there. Now, when you think about the Holy Spirit, he is a person. He is a distinct person in the Godhead. He is not a mystical force that is out there. It's not like a Star Wars thing. May the force be with you. He is not an it. He is a person. God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, you see a lot of attributes that, that kind of go along with personhood. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, it says the Holy Spirit speaks. And so he is speaking and still speaks to us today. In Acts 15, 28, he reasons. 
in 1 Corinthians 2, he understands. And so it talks about the Holy Spirit understanding all things. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says he wills. It should be done according to his will, the will of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, verse 30, he feels. Talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve that third person in the Trinity. When the person of the Holy Spirit is living inside of us then, he is our comforter, he is our guide, he is our friend. We need that presence and person of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives. Yet even though he is is a person and has all these character traits of speaking, knowing, understanding, feeling, emotions, he is also fully God. So when we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't have flesh and blood like we do. Only God the Son became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the way the writers describe him in the word of God is to say the word spirit. That's the best word they had to describe who this third person of the Trinity is. He is the Holy Spirit. He is spirit. He is not flesh and blood like we are. And so because he is spirit, he can be anywhere, at any time, at any place. He is everywhere. He is fully God. Spirit. You won't see him. Now, when the translators in the word of God translated Holy Spirit, the New Testament word for that was the word pneuma. Pneuma. And that's what they referred to as the spirit. In the Old Testament, the word was ruach. And they kind of had that sound in the throats when they spoke in the Hebrew, ruach. And they, they spoke it that way, referring to the spirit. 800 times in the Old Testament and New Testament, you'll see the word spirit used quite frequently. But the real meaning of the word goes back to the original, which literally means wind or breath. And so when we talk about the spirit, the pneuma, or the ruach, we are talking about the breath of God or the wind of God, and describing that third person of the Trinity, wind or breath. Uh, John 20 and 22 is a very interesting verse. It says, and when he had breathed, the word there's pneuma, on them, he said, receive the holy pneuma, receive the Holy Spirit. And so he breathes on them, pneuma, and then he says, receive the Holy Spirit or pneuma, the breath of God. Now that the sacrifice had been made, now that Jesus Christ had been crucified, rose again, he meets with his disciples before his ascension, before he's going to be taken up. And the Bible says in John, he, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now that the, the price has been paid for their salvation, they can now be partakers and recipients of that third person of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of them and be with them. And so he, we are, the Bible says, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So they are regenerated. They are given spiritual life, a new life in Christ. They are born again. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit or the Holy Breath of God. Everybody who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says your bodies now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he comes and he resides and he dwells inside of us. Can you say amen? So he uses the word wind or breath. Now, when you think about that, who the Holy Spirit is and what he is like and how he operates. The word wind and breath are very descriptive. A couple of things about the wind. Four things I want to bring out very quickly. Number one is 
You can't see the wind. It is unseen. The Spirit of God, he is unseen. Turn to John 14 again. Look at verses 16 and 17. I read it to you earlier. I'll read it again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going away. My body's going to be taken away. You won't see me anymore. But I'm going to send back another counselor. But look what he says. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. So anybody who is lost in the world, they can't see the Holy Spirit and they don't know him. But look what it says. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. So we know the Spirit, right? For he lives with you and will be in you. Now, here's the deal. Listen to me. He says, the world neither sees nor knows him, but he says, you, my church, my disciples, you know him and you will know him. But it didn't ever say you could ever see him. He is unseen, okay? The world can't see or know, but you, my church, you will know him, but it still doesn't mean we can see him. The wind, you can't see the wind. You can't look out and say, the wind's blowing or it's moving or something's happening. You don't see or know the wind. The wind, and, and so, so how, how do we terminate that? How do we, how do we look at that in terms of the Holy Spirit of God? Well, the, the wind, when you go out, you can't see the wind, but how many know when you go outside and that wind's blowing, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air? And so you're in here and the people all around and the air is getting kind of stale because we're giving off carbon monoxide or whatever it is we give off and it gets kind of stuffy in here. And then you go outside and you feel that fresh breathe, uh, breeze, that, that fresh wind, uh, that, and it feels good. And it's a feeling. You, you can't see it, but it's just, it just refreshing. It, it feels so good. And, and so it is. With the presence of the Lord, you can't always see it, but it just, I just feel and sense his presence. Unseen, but felt. Now, I know as, as, as believers, we don't go on feelings. We are orthodox in our beliefs. We stand on the unchangeable truth of the living God. But it is sure good when we come together and feel and sense the presence of the living God, to know that God is in the air, that God is in the house, God is here with us. It's a good thing to know that I can also feel and sense his presence. We can't figure it out. We can't see it. But I want to know and feel and sense that God is here, unseen, and yet we can feel and sense his presence. I, I, I have the privilege of meeting guests in the Welcome Center uh, on Sunday mornings, and it, it's so refreshing to hear the, the people who visit our church come in, and I get to talk with them and share with them a little bit. And often we will find guests in there who they will begin to cry, or they will say, I've never felt like I have before when I entered into Faith Assembly of God. And I felt such a presence, and I felt such an a understanding of who God is. And, and, and they feel that, and they sense that, and it's, it's refreshing their lives as they, they share that. He says, I will send you another comforter. He is not coming to frighten you or scare you, but he comes to bring comfort. And so he comforts us, he helps us, he lives with us, he works through us. 
And we come in on Sunday mornings and it's been a dry, stale week every Sunday morning. Then we experience that freshing breath and wind of the Holy Spirit of God. How many know exactly what I'm talking about? Second thing is the, the wind is unpredictable. Turn to John chapter 3. Just go back a few chapters. John chapter 3 and verse number 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Okay? The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit or pneuma or wind. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You can't tell where it's coming from. You can't tell where it's going. It can come from any direction. So is everyone who is born of the spirit or the wind. Now, now you know, like if you're at an airport and you have the runway out there, they put this orange sock out there, and uh, it has a, it's a cone-like shape, and it, it tells you which way the wind is blowing so that they can tell the airplanes which runway to come in on or which runway to leave if the winds are too strong. And so they need to know which way the wind is blowing when they land those planes and when those planes take off. Now, it comes wherever it wants to, and it goes wherever it wants to. Now, here's the challenge for us. Sometimes we struggle with the unknown or the unpredictability of this wind. It messes us up. We can't figure it out. We can't logically explain it all away or explain its existence. And so, because we don't understand it, we can't explain it. We often deny it or are afraid of it or will not accept it. It is very unpredictable. We want to put God in our box and say, God, you've got to operate this way and this way and this way. And if you don't do it this way, it must not be God. And if it's not according to my preconceived ideas, we reject it, we don't accept it, and we shut it off. We put God in our box. We have an experience, and we expect God to operate that way, the same way every time because of our past experience. But the wind comes however it wants to, and it goes wherever I want to, and you can't put God in your little box. Can you imagine Moses going up to Mount Sinai, and there's a burning bush there, and the bush is speaking to him, uh, and, and out of that bush he hears from God, and it's holy ground. He takes off his shoes, and, and, he, and he's cast out on his mission, okay? So can you imagine saying, okay, to hear from God, you've got to see a burning bush. And if that bush isn't burning, you haven't heard from God like I have. And so we go by experience and we think that God has to operate according to our systems or our structures. And he writes, John, and says, you know what? You can't put God in a box. The wind blows where it wants to. It goes where it wants to. It is unpredictable. Quit trying to figure it all out with your human understanding. It is supernatural. We struggle with the unpredictability. A blind man asked Jesus Christ. He says, lay hands so that I might receive my sight. Now, he had, every time that someone had been healed, up till that point, the Lord lays hands on them, and they receive their sight. This time, though, he says, do that hand things again so I can see. What does Jesus Christ do? He spits on the ground, makes a mud pie, and smashes it in his eyes. And all of a sudden, he receives his sight, it wasn't the way he had done it before. Now, what, what happens is what we want to do is we want to create mud pie healing lines. 
And so if you're going to be healed, uh, God's got to do it the same way every time. And so we get the dirt and the mud and we mix it together and we put it on their eyes and we, we operate out of predictability. The way it's been done before is the way we expect to do it again. But God will do it however he wants to because the wind blows wherever it wills. It can go wherever it wants to. You can't contain the wind. You can't put the wind of the Holy Spirit in a box. We want structure and systems for God to send revival. But what we need is the presence of God. What we need is that fresh wind of the Holy Spirit of God, that unseen, unpredictable wind. The Holy Spirit has no home address. The Spirit of God will move in some very, very unusual places. You know, man builds up walls to keep God out and to shut their nation in. I think about communist China, and they built this massive wall that goes all the way around China. It was to keep the other nations out and to keep them in, and so they built a wall, but more than that, they built a wall of communist ideology that says there is no God. But how many know you can't keep God out with a wall or even a communist system But because the wind is blowing through that nation of China, and now there are over 100 million Pentecostal believers in the country of China today, and the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing wherever it wills. You can't contain it. You can't control it. Denominations have been divided by their doctrines and they have put up barriers uh, because they fear something or someone that cannot be explained. And so they don't understand how God does healings today or God does miracles today. They don't understand about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 9 there. They don't understand about the gifts of the Spirit of God and they don't understand about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they reject it as something relevant only for the first century church. But how many know the wind of God is blowing all across denominational lines today, and there are believers that are being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God is still healing by his grace and power and might today. God's a healer. He can still do the miraculous. The wind pays no attention and blows wherever it wants to. It will blow in some very unlikely places. Ezekiel has a vision in the Old Testament. He has a very unlikely place. He he describes it as a valley of dry bones. And he asked the question, the prophet says, can these bones live again? And the voice comes back, yes, you know they can. And all of a sudden, he calls from the four winds. In that case, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, he calls for the ruach, And the breath of God comes and breathes upon those bones and there's a rattling sound that begins to take place and the bone comes together and the knee bones join to the shin bone and the shin bones join to the ankle bone and they come together and it says they rise up a mighty army. But they still know, even though there's a coming together, there's still no life in them. And then the breath of God, that Ruach of God, breathes upon those bones and they come to life and they rise up a mighty army of God in a very, very unlikely place. Our doctrine is very predictable because it's based on the unchangeable character of God. But we need to also learn to embrace the unpredictable, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our life, moving in our services, moving in our church, moving in our homes, moving in our families. We need that power of the Holy Spirit moving today, that fresh wind of the Holy Spirit of God moving today. The third thing about wind is it's very powerful. Wind's powerful. Acts 1.8 says, and ye shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Wind so powerful it can generate electricity. And so there's, you can drive out and see these old big, uh, especially out west more so, but you see these huge, massive uh, propellers, just kind of uh, fields of them generating electricity, being turned by the wind. The uh, wind can sail a ship. You can put the sails up, and that wind will blow that big vessel along the sea, along the ocean, and so it can drive a ship. The wind can also come in and destroy a city. How many were here when Hurricane Hugo blew through? 130 mile an hour winds hit the city of Charleston. And we saw pictures afterwards of massive boats that had been lifted up and were all piled up in different places all across the land. They were literally picked up out of the sea when that wind came and they set them down somewhere else along the way. Some of you are going through stuff in your life. And human power and human ingenuity can't fix it. You can't fix it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't distance yourself from his power because of the way some have packaged that experience that's turned us off in the past. Get close to the person of the Holy Spirit. When you see the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, you go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and it says, there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty pneuma. And the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, came down and filled the entire house where they were sitting. Powerful, powerful wind. And that early church, filled with the power of God, literally turned the Roman Empire upside down. Power of the wind. Charles Finney has been called the father of modern, modern revivalism. Charles Finney was an attorney. He was a Presbyterian man. And he writes about his own life. He says, I was comfortable with knowing God on an intellectual level only. Life had become lifeless and predictable. But then he describes an encounter he had with this fresh wind of the Holy Spirit of God. And I read his words. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like the wave of electricity going through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in like waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Wow. Listen, it is mission critical in our marriages, in our jobs, in our health, in our families, in our Christianity. We need that fresh Wind and breath of the Holy Spirit in our sails. The fourth characteristic about this wind is it is refreshing. You ever, uh, it's, we're getting into the summertime now, and, and you park your car outside, and you got to lock it up, and when you get back in that car, it's like 120 degrees in there, and you're, you know, you're, you're sweating, and you, 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 the first thing you do is you turn the, turn the car on and hit the air conditioning, and you hit that, that air starts blowing out, and sometimes you'll open up the windows just to get some air circulating around, and you, you put those windows down, and then all of a sudden that air conditioning begins to kick in, and you get refreshed, and then you roll the windows back up up and you enjoy the air conditioning. Uh, Refreshing. The Holy Spirit wants to come in and refresh us. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. Look at Acts 3. Look, if you would, at verse number 19. 
Now, the Holy Spirit's already been outpoured in Acts chapter 2. There's an amazing miracle in uh, Acts chapter 3. There's a lame man that now is walking and leaping and praising God, and a whole crowd comes around, and Peter's going to stand up under the power of the Holy Spirit and preach again. But look what he says. Repent then, verse 19, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Oh, that that refreshing breeze, the wind and breath of God would blow on us. He wants to refresh us. Now, you can't comprehend it. You can't figure it all out in the natural. And, and we try to do that. We try to line it all up. We try to stack it all up. But the wind is unseen. It is unpredictable. It is powerful. It is refreshing. But you can't always explain it in the natural. Because why? The wind and breath of God is supernatural. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verses 9 and 10 there. It says, However as it is written, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. God has it for us. For those who love him, you can't begin to understand, comprehend, conceive, but God, look at verse 10, has revealed it to us by his spirit. God's revealed it to us by his spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. Over these next four weeks, I'm going to take you on a journey to try to get the wind back in your sails, to to experience once again in your life that fresh breath of God, the person and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, now, how do we get there? I want to give you three things just real quick. Jot these down. Number one, let go of your fears and your misconceptions as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Let go of your fears and misconceptions as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Go to the Word of God. I want to encourage you, if you have questions about this, if this is all new to you, if your understanding about the third person of the Trinity has been limited, you can tell me all about the Son, all about the Father, but you know very little about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, even though he's mentioned 800 times in the Word of God. I want you to go to the Word of God and begin to read and study all that God's Word has to say about it. Don't take my word for it. Go to the Word. The Holy Spirit is not unbiblical and He is not outdated. He is not spooky. He is not weird. He is not someone to be afraid of, but he is our advocate. I'm going away. I'm going to send back a counselor, a comforter who will be with you and he will be in you. You don't have to run from him or be afraid of all that he has for you. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Listen, you've got to realize that God loves you so much and every gift and everything he has for you is good. God loves you. He cares about you. He's not out to get you. Trust God. He's not against you. Don't try to figure out every detail with your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Number two, I would encourage you, go all in. Go all in. Don't go halfway. Don't try to just get a little bit of God. Don't just try to fit God in. It won't work. Uh, You know, we've been in our whole margin series. It was about being intentional about making time and room in our life for God. Am I giving God my all or not? 
Is God the most important thing in my life, or is he somewhere down the line? If I got time, if I can work it in, if I can fit it into my schedule. Learn to hear God's voice. Get involved in community and ministry, but we go all in. If you really want to understand and experience the presence of God, go all in. The Holy Spirit is active and living. He wants to lead us and guide us and direct us every step of our life. In this series, we're going to talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are gifts that the Holy Spirit has for you that he has given severally as he wills for the edification of the body of Christ. And yet, so many of the church don't even understand who or what the Holy Spirit has come to do. There are fruits of the Holy Spirit, of his character, of his nature that are to be lived out and grown in our lives. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that is for power to be witnesses for him. There are all these things that he has for you, but, but you got to go all in. He says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I promise you, if you go all in, your life will be radically changed. There is an excitement, spirit-filled, spirit-filled walk. There is a walk in the Holy Spirit that is exciting and energizing and fresh and unpredictable and refreshing and all those things that God has for you. And it's powerful. You need to say, God, if you have it, I need it, bring it on. Whatever you got for me, I'm ready. Bring it on. And number three, develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, you have a benediction. A benediction is kind of like a closing prayer or the closing thoughts for whoever you're talking to. It's the final thing that you are going to say. It's, it's the benediction. And in the New King James Version, it reads this way. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now he names in the benediction all three persons of the Trinity. Okay? Now notice that. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, in the message translation or the message version of this, I, it just reads well. I want you to see this. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, listen, we know about the love, the extravagant love of God. We know about the love of God. We know how much that God loves us. And we know about the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know very well about that because it saved us, took away our sins, set us free. We know all about that. But sometimes we never experience that intimate fullness of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would know that intimate friendship, fellowship, communion with the Holy Spirit. We embrace the Father's love. Now, we talk about the, uh, the amazing love of the Father. Some people have difficulty with that phrase alone because when they talk about the love of the Father, immediately their mind flashes back to their own earthly fathers. And because their love of the earthly father was messed up and dysfunctional, they don't understand what the love of our heavenly Father is really all about. 
But God loves you so very, very much. We need to embrace the love of the Father. The Bible says the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, he, he, he attacks our relationships. And many of you, he attacked that relationship with your heavenly Father, with your earthly Father, so that you never be able to properly relate to your heavenly Father. Some of you need to be healed of that. Terrible, terrible past, terrible pain. But God's love is not like that. God's love is pure. God's love is holy. God's love is not mixed with dysfunctionality or abuse or any other thing along the way. God loves you with an everlasting love. I will tell you today, listen to me, God is not mad at you. In fact, the Bible says he has his name tattooed on his hands. Even when you mess up, that's when you need God the most. Who else will love you like your heavenly Father, like God the Father? I want you to know, he says, the love of God. I pray that you would understand the amazing love of God. You know, the value of an object is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son He loves you that much that he sent Jesus Christ to to die for you. I love all you guys, but I don't think I'd sacrifice any one of my kids for you. But God loves you that much. He says, I pray that you would know Jesus Christ in his amazing grace. That you would understand how great the grace of Jesus is. He came in. He stepped in. He gave his life on Calvary that I take all my punishment, all my pain, all my sins. He took it upon himself. I pray that you would understand and know his amazing grace. But then he says, I pray that you would know the intimate friendship that comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be with you. And yet sometimes we don't want him to be a part of our life. We'll talk about the Father and the Son, but not the Holy Spirit. But he wants to be the wind in your sail. He wants to refresh you. He wants to energize you. He wants to give you power. He wants to work and flow through you. There's a, uh, there's a place. We've, you've heard the word doldrums as dull or boring, but there's actually a place around the equator called the doldrums. And it's a place where the winds of the northern hemisphere meet with the winds of the southern hemisphere coming up, and they kind of cancel each other out. And those trade winds will come to that certain place around the seas and they're called the doldrums, and they will cancel each other out, and they will go. And so you can literally be sailing in a vessel, and if you get caught or sail into the doldrums, you can get there, and there will be no wind, and literally people have died in their boats, in the doldrums, because they get in there and there's no way, there's no power, there's no energy to get out. Thus, the doldrums. You need that wind, that pneuma, that ruach of God, the breath of fresh air in your life. You need the breath of fresh air in your marriages. Some of your marriages are messed up, and you need that breath of fresh air of God in your family, in your job, in your Christianity. But you've got to open your heart to that third member of the Trinity. Say, God, I want all you got for me, all you have for me. I I want it in my life. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. 
We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.